to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to this special episode on podcast Freshly Forever. After the end of season one, uh, I have been doing some special episodes with a series of guests. And today happens to be with my own daughter, Pragna Kumar, who is a junior tennis player proceeding to play NCAA collegiate tennis. So welcome, Pragna, to the show. So nice to chat with you here. Hey, Mom. It's good to be here. I'm excited. Awesome. So why don't we start by telling listeners about your tennis journey and how it all began and what you would like to share on that because I guess the whole idea is to talk about a junior player's tennis journey and uh, kind of, you know, all the fun part and the challenges and the kind of the do's and don'ts up until the point, you know, you even get to play collegiate tennis. So why don't we start with your journey and how it all began? Yeah, so I started playing tennis, as you know, when I was five. I first picked up a racket then. And Mm -hmm. as a child, I was involved in a lot of different sports, including like figure skating, which I think um, I did at the local club. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really fun for me. And then I also was doing things like rock climbing, swimming, just a bunch of things trying to get um, acclimated to everything and see what I liked best. And Mm -hmm. I immediately fell in love with tennis as soon as I. Um, started playing, picked up the racket. And yeah, I think ever since then, I just knew that's what I wanted to pursue full time. And then I started hitting in um, group classes, did some privates and just really, really knew that was uh, what I wanted to pursue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, you were in a local uh, suburban uh, parks, figure skating uh, classes and uh, in that program and uh, also, you know, the tennis, swim and everything. And uh, matter of fact, I don't know how much you remember from it, but you were training with a bunch of boys at that time in that uh, very nice club facility. And uh, being in Chicago at that time, it was all indoor tennis. And uh, um, from that point on, we transitioned and moved here to the Atlanta area. So. What is it that you remember from that experience as far as tennis, how it all began here in Atlanta? And what would you like to say to listeners on that? Well, just going back to Chicago real quick, I remember uh, all those group classes. And I think I really got um, more competitive, you know, playing with the boys. And and (laughs) when I started uh, beating them, I got a kick out of it. And that's when um, the coach really, really thought I had something. So, yeah. we moved to Atlanta and when I was six, right? Around six. Mm-hmm. And um, just started playing a lot more. I did some private lessons in my in our neighborhood here with, mm-hmm. with the um, coaches here and really started like loving it. And then we transitioned to more academy classes. And then that's when, um, before tournaments, started playing some tournaments. And yeah, I just knew it was what I wanted to do. Okay. What about the team tennis experience? I think that's where you started in terms of, you know, actually playing competitive matches. 
Yeah, team team tennis was was awesome. I remember um, just having so much fun, and I think that's mm-hmm. when I kind of grew even more. Um, like, I found myself more, and I I knew I loved the sport even more. And just playing for a team, being with all these different people, I think really helped me enjoy the sport more. And mm-hmm. then obviously getting uh, matches in at that age, at that level. Um, fostered my competitiveness and then mm-hmm. wanted me to um, or rather made me want to start playing uh, the local tournaments and just start competing more on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Okay so that was the USTA team tennis. I mean at that point you were not even introduced to the ALTA which is the Atlanta Lawn Tennis Association league matches. You were playing USTA team tennis uh, and then subsequently um you also did alta matches. What about the pathway for a tennis player, for a junior tennis player, for someone that's listening to this podcast and um, wondering, okay, where do I begin? How do I move on with it? And what do I do about it? What is it that you want to say to someone on that front? Um, I think, like I said, when, when I was younger, you know, obviously you and dad had me playing a lot of different things and just kind of um, dipping my toes in the water, seeing what I liked best. So mm-hmm. I think for, for any young kids, just making sure that they really love it on their own and you kind of see that inclination for them to go go explore it, go want to do more um, of it. That's how it started for me, as you know. So I think that's a great place to start and then just have them um, just really just really hit and kind of make it fun for them at the beginning and then kind of uh-huh. put them in, put them in lessons and start training and just keep it fun, you know, at uh-huh. the beginning, have them play those, um, those games and hit in with the coach and meet new people, meet, make friends. That's, that's the fun part about it. And then I think as you grow up gradually, um, easing into tournaments and kind of getting that experience will obviously take you to the next level, um, uh-huh. later on. Okay. What about, um, you know, the pathway? So you started in your experience, like you started with the 10 and under tennis, the orange ball, and then, you know, you started playing uh, the 12 age group, the 14s, the 16s, and then finally the 18s. And you also did some ITFs. You did um, the USDA, the Alta, and all of that. So what do you want to say as far as what they can expect in terms of a pathway? Of course, that over the last year, you know, the point system, the rules, so many things have changed. But how was it for you with the different ball types and then playing the regular yellow ball? So, yeah, I started playing tournaments around um, seven, mm-hmm. com- like pretty competitively. And so I think... Obviously, like you mentioned, there's um, the tens through eighteens, so tens, twelves, fourteens, sixteens, eighteens, and in the tens we have the orange ball, which is just it's like a less um, firm. It's more compression, you know, softer mm-hmm. on the hands, joints, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you progress from that, and then when I was and it's playing, also a shorter court, right? Right, it's a shorter court. And then, um, so you move from the orange ball. And then when I was playing, they had like the green, the green dot as well. 
before mm-hmm. you progress to the regular normal tennis ball. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it is exactly now, but that always helped me kind of just develop my feel, develop my game. And then also I think the court size aspect is very helpful to growing up because you get used to that smaller space. Mm-hmm. And then as you transition to um, regular ball, you know, you have more court to cover, more court to hit into. And I think as you as you uh, grow up, it's a good kind of like, it's good to measure yourself along those lines. And it's, mm-hmm. it's good to, um, good to grow your game. Uh-huh. Know your boundaries, know your margins, you know, kind of it helps you. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, there are times when we even, you know, sometimes uh, uh, even at the most recent tournament, you know, like before a, an afternoon ma- match, you had to warm up and, uh, you know, whenever the courts are busy, you know, if you still find the short court, you know, that's why you still try to go and, you know, get your feet moving, right? You know, so it's there's still the fun uh, side to it when whenever we see the short court. Yeah, totally. I mean, I have some of my best memories, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, from the from the tens and those. Uh, it was really fun back then. For sure. Hey, all those trophies, you know, at that age, when you start accumulating them, you know, that's fun, right? So let's talk about the reward part of it. Yeah, I was definitely in my prime in the tents. <laughs> I think that, you know, you certainly uh, had your share of good matches even much after that. And uh, so I think it's exciting because at that young age, you know, you start to see the rewards as well. And that's also isn't that a motivation, you think, you know, to kind of go on to uh, make progression and proceed to higher levels and set yourself more goals and aspirations? Sure. I think also it kind of helps you, like the sport teaches you, you know, when you're little, all you want to do is win, which obviously Mm -hmm. that's the goal always. Mm -hmm. But um, you as you play more and as you kind of watch more matches, you see that, oh, okay, there's so many different kind of aspects of what's happening. Like mm-hmm. you're competing, but then you're also trying to work on your game and then see how that matches up against different types of opponents. Mm-hmm. And so there's like all these dynamics as you um, uh, get to see as you grow up. And I think when you, when you put it all together, it's very rewarding to see it pay off and then um, see how your game has grown. And, you know, obviously your peers are also getting better. So Mm -hmm. doing what you need to do to match up against the competition, I think all of that is really, um, it's hard work, but it's exciting when, when it pays off for sure. Oh, absolutely. I think as parents and uh, as spectators, I think we all have our own share of, you know, like uh, how exciting those times are, you know, we, of course, you know, sometimes it's a roller coaster, but hey, it's all part of the journey, right? What yeah, about- especially, uh, especially those uh, shady line calls, you know what I mean? <laughs> from, no, no, from we, the- we are going to get to the drama in sport because I think it is important to address that. But uh, what would you say as far as, um, what do you remember transitioning transitioning from that young phase um, to middle school? And then when do you remember knowing that, okay, this is something that I want to pursue seriously? And I know you have always been a 
a huge fan of Rafa Nadal and you have idolized him so much you know i can tell sitting on the family room couch and you know watching rafa was always your go to thing in your even in your elementary school days and uh, so what is it that you want to say as far as um what goals you remember kind of you know setting for yourself and as you progressed along you know like reality set in right so what is it that you want to say toward that yeah i think obviously in elementary school when i was younger like watching um all the professionals play especially rafa it was it was really inspiring but i think it's kind of easy to get caught up in that fairy tale a little bit mhm and then as you as i transitioned to middle school i definitely realized like all the work that goes into it you know mm-hmm. on the court off the court with making pro and, yeah mm-hmm. right and like fitness and having um a good attitude and keeping yourself kind of in that mental space uh in the right mental space all of that is equally if not more important rather than just um hitting balls and and you know working on your game so i think um it was definitely a little bit of a reality check but at the mm-hmm. same time i was also pretty motivated because i was like okay so this is what it takes and it's it's all in my control so it's just up to me as to how how i work on it and how i take things forward so it was pretty exciting i would say mhm mhm okay and um, you actually started focusing more on tennis as you know a sport that you wanted to pursue very seriously i mean earlier you talked about rock climbing figure skating uh swim teams and what not you had a flavor for it all but you kept regular at it in terms of you know your involvement with tennis but what about your transition to again middle school and the curriculum and the type of school that you chose how again you know i think that kind of correlated with you and all of us kind of getting together and realizing that okay this is something that i want to go after more seriously right Yeah so I obviously I think from middle school on was mm-hmm. when I was like really serious about everything and I knew like I said I knew what all it took and um I was fortunate enough to to go to a school that it's called Rivers Academy mm-hmm. um for for people who don't know and I was just fortunate that we had something like that in our um uh in the town here and basically it's a school that lets you really put your academics first while still working on pursuing your passion whatever that may be if it's like sports or you know theater or anything else like that mhm and so i think um obviously middle school is kind of that middle point mhm as you transition so it's it's kind of like you're you're figuring out things you're growing up there's all these different dynamics in it And mm-hmm. so when in my case I had tennis to balance as well I think the school and the environment I was in really helped me keep all of that pretty balanced and mm-hmm. you know I could I wasn't ever super overwhelmed like you know oh I have all this to do and then I have this tournament on the weekend like how am I ever going to get through it mm-hmm. um it was it was never really like that and our teachers were great too they always worked with us as to help us uh, plan things ahead or come make up some tests after um mm-hmm. after our tournaments and so 
I think being in that environment really allowed me to not have to worry about school, but also focus on on my game and tennis and how to start really taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you talked about balance and you were able to achieve a good balance there. Um, again, totally not compromising on the academic side at all, uh, still focusing on it. And uh, thankfully for us, you have always been a great student and um, you kept up with both. And that's a great point to address there. And you talked about how you realized that there's so much to it than just hitting, you know, tennis balls, the mental side of it. And also, you know, you mentioned shady line calls. How do you think you want to, you know, what is it that you want to say toward the mental side of sport, you know, spectator involvement, parental pressure or parental involvement, the coaches, whatever it is, and also, you know, the drama that we see out there. And how is it that one can cope up with all of that, you know, like pursue with the passion in like a fair uh, way, if you will? Yeah, I think it's just kind of, um, it is very hard being an individual sport. You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to fend for yourself. You don't just have someone talking to you every, I don't know, every break or changeover or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone either supporting you or supporting the other person um, who's playing against you, everyone is outside the fence. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's all pretty much up to you. So I think... um, as a as a kid there were a lot of things involved like i said earlier the the cheating and and the you know line calls and things like that but it all kind of stemmed more from parental pressure or coaching pressure you know as a kid you want to win you want to win everything and so when you're faced with let's say an opponent who's just like uh, kicking your butt you don't know what to do and mm-hmm. so i think that's when people started resorting to those things. Of course, it wasn't everyone. It was just, you would see that once in a while. But um, I think... you had the luxury of calling those refs on court. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, those those refs were definitely helpful sometimes. Unfortunately, you and dad know that didn't always uh, work out in my favor. But um, (gasps) it was an interesting time. And I think uh, we've all grown up. We've now, some of us just laugh about it, looking back Mm -hmm. on on those years. But um, I think it's, it's definitely important to just really make sure you're true to yourself throughout the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Like I said, being an individual sport, and um, I've noticed, especially through the years, um, as I've gotten older, things like uh, the mental side are very important, because it gets it kind of gets hard. You know, you've been doing it for so many years, and Mm -hmm. you are faced with new things every day. And then it's just, it it sometimes gets to be a lot. So you just have to keep that positive attitude. I think in my case, I've, I've always just been a positive person. So that's kind of helped me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, some people, some people struggle with it. And I think really just staying mentally tough in, in tennis is probably the most important thing, I would say more so than um, physically, even. Mm-hmm. And then the support system, you know, has to be right for someone to be able to uh, manage it all, I would say. I don't think there's any perfect scenario, but then how we as parents deal with it and what we do do 
to help you guys also i think plays an important role and thankfully you have had some great coaches and you know someone um that can help you you know when you wanted to go have a conversation back with them about anything that happened in a tournament what about the injury side of sport you have had your fair share of it when you were very young until you know all your ankle problems were sort of you know resolved or kind of you know we were able to put a stop to it knowing that there was something called an orthotic support right <laughs> yeah yeah it took uh took a while to get that under control but mm-hmm. um i think you know unfortunately i had my fair share like you said but um i do notice that in the, especially in in tennis as kids get older mm-hmm. they start to experience more injuries simply because of overuse you know all the times all the time spent on court from mm-hmm. let's say you know six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Of course, some people, I know some of my friends only started playing when they were maybe 12. Mm-hmm. Whereas I started much earlier. So I think for everyone, there are different things that factor into it, like when you started, so how long you've actually been playing the sport. And then of course, how long you were training every day. Some people like to spend five hours on court. Mm-hmm. I I was never really like that because I had injuries from such a young age. So I knew that to take care of my body in the long run, you know, I had to, I had to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think going back to the mental side, I think that's when you just really have to hang tough and, and know that uh, there's, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It can be mm-hmm. super hard in the moment. And you're like, you know, why did this happen to me? Why am I injured? Why am I not playing right now? But it's just, um, just a sport. Yeah, I think, you know, like, uh, I have to give it to you on that aspect, you know, you handled it all well, that was the time to, you know, enjoy more of those uh, uh, professional matches on tour, you know, sitting on the couch and putting that feet up, right. So it was always mm-hmm. a matter of a few weeks, um, turning things around and uh, rehabbing and <laughs> all those drives back and forth to the physical therapy. in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leaf Forever. What about um, the nutrition side of it and fitness? I mean, you pointed out, you know, like some some people enjoy hitting tennis balls for five hours in a day and it's a matter of the balancing act. What about even tournaments? You know, like is it even a fair game to, or rather an expectation, you know, to fulfill week after week playing tournaments and how retrospectively, you know, even with your own journey, would you say, you know, like, should we have done something different? How would you categorize that aspect? And also yeah. the importance of pre and post-match routine when it comes to the fitness. So we are trying to address, you know, the amount of time that you spend on court and at tournaments, the nutrition aspect and the fitness aspect. Yeah, so I think, like I said earlier, for me, unfortunately, I I was injured or I got injured um, even from a young age. But mm-hmm. I think the positive side to that was I kind of learned how to take care of my body. Mm-hmm. And well, then the identifying that something uh, as simple as you know the orthotics and then keeping up with the fitness regimen you know is something that 
would help you become stronger, right? Right. And then also just so focusing on um, learning how to take care of my body and then keeping it keeping it in shape for the long run. I learned at a pretty young age. So I would, you know, you know this, but I would always balance kind of my time on the court and off in the mm-hmm. gym, whether I was doing like strength, conditioning, whatever it was, um, just because I knew that's what my body needed to mm-hmm. stay stay healthy. And I think also looking back, I it's it's important. I mean, we used to play like two, three tournaments every single month, you know, mm-hmm. weekend after weekend, just on the road. And it's um it's a lot. I mean, ideally I do now, which I kind of balance like my time at practice because I know, okay, I'm gonna be playing like three days in this tournament. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be playing you know, four to six matches, whatever it may be. Or sometimes Mm -hmm. if I play singles and doubles, that's even more. Mm -hmm. And so I think factoring those kind of things in is, is important because I think when we're younger, we, we want to play as much, we want to do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But it starts to add up when you get older. And Mm -hmm. I think that that load management um, is important. Yeah. And what about the pre and post match routine? I mean, at least uh, in your case, you never had the luxury to leave, you know, a match site or like a tournament site, you know, like right when you finished a match, you know, you never could, you know, just put, throw the bag or toss the bag in the boot and then, you know, like take off, right? And you never um, did this thing of okay I'm just you know okay I'm going for a warm-up and then I'm going on court so how important is pre and post-match routine for someone to be able to keep themselves in shape again yeah I think the main thing I would say is obviously just like stretching helped me a lot and then Mm -hmm. again going back to the fact that I got injured when I was so young taught me all of these things that I do up up until this day Mm -hmm. and so I think again right from you know, when you get get to the courts for warm up, making sure you run a little stretch, get the sweat in, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Like some people need um, to do a lot for them to feel good. Some people just need a short warm up. But that that depends um, just on the player. I, I personally don't really need to hit much before my matches, but I know some people like to hit for, you know, an hour or something mm-hmm. before they go on court. But I think for me, it's always been more about getting loose before the match, if that's stretching, if that's like jump roping or running a little, um, get the heart rate up and the blood flowing. I think that that helps me more. And mm-hmm. then, you know, again, after after the match, just cool down, stretch, uh, hydrate, those things, kind of just the main things. I think, yeah, as a kid, it's, it's obviously hard. I mean, all you want to do, you're done with your match, you want to get in the AC and you want to... <laughs> you know, get lunch or whatever. But as we grow up, we realize how important the little things are. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I was able to start doing it from a young age. Yeah, win or lose. I think, you know, those things really need focus and it may not show up uh, even. I mean, it's not like, you know, you were constantly injured. I mean, although you did have your share of the ankle issues initially, because, you know, like, yeah, you used to be like a Tipito Walker in childhood and then you know like probably you know somewhere along the lines you know like there was some balancing that that was involved and the orthotics definitely helped you and uh, with your 
being systematic about the pre and post match routine i think all of that mattered what about the nutrition side of it um i think everyone has to find what works for them personally for mm-hmm. me i we've you know we've experimented found things that that have worked and you know a lot of people used to ask me like oh how are you how do you get your protein in if you're like vegetarian and i used mm-hmm. to you know that's i think a common misconception too um the and there are tons of tons of options tons of different ways to you know get the nutrients in and um i think people you know you just really have to figure it out whether that what you eat or balancing like when you eat for example for me i didn't need to eat a lot but i needed some good fuel before matches whether that mm-hmm. was you know just to get some energy and especially in the summer when it's hot and mm-hmm. you're you're really working out there um but i know some people who didn't really even need anything before and mm-hmm. and they could play their match for like 3 hours so i think it's just really just varies personally but i think the biggest thing i would say is find the combination that work for you that works for you mm-hmm. whether that's like juices smoothies or within foods like for me i found um like rice vegetables mm-hmm. you know rice based products those always help me a lot whether that's like the night before a match or you know really whenever as well as like smoothies and fruit all mm-hmm. of that really give me good energy so i think each person is different and they just have to find what works best for them mhm and then kind of stick to it on a regular basis right not just mm-hmm. on match days not just you know like 11th hour preparation what about pursuing um a full time program in uh, tampa in your high school and uh, how do you think that helped you or what exactly would you say if we were to look at that phase yeah so i was fortunate enough to to go to um a program in florida for my for about a year and a half during high school and um i was able to again similar to middle school it was a place place where i could fully focus on tennis and still you know know that i was getting the best support academically without mm-hmm. compromising my grades mhm and so um i think that was a great experience i got to meet a lot of people a lot of international kids as well mhm and um a lot of professionals used to train there as well and have come up from there um it's called saddlebrook mhm academy in florida and so i think um that helped me a lot i was training with different groups of people different types of players and and really kind of styles that i hadn't always seen before mhm from there i started playing some itfs which are international tournaments basically or it stands for international tennis federation mhm so there are tournaments um all over the world for that and that's when i started playing those and kind of got some experience with again not just people within the states but international kids and how their styles were different how to play um against them mhm and i think that was that was really uh, good for me and it helped develop my game obviously mm-hmm. sometimes the uh, the draw may not always work out in your favor i i definitely know uh, i got my butt kicked a few times <laughs> but um i think i think again all that's just it helps you grow ultimately Yeah certainly and all also you know even in that you know start with the G5s you know like you have to earn your first points before you can even hope to 
you know, find yourself in like a reasonable part of the draw and uh, also for future tournament selections, you know, start building your points up that way and then proceed to the higher levels playing mm-hmm. there and also try and find something, you know, locally in your region as much as possible. You know, sometimes the competition may not be in your favor. So try and travel and do stuff. And that's kind of what we tried to address with that. And um, you also talked about balancing school tennis and uh, high school course choices. What would you say towards that, you know, in terms of the high school course choices and selection, like you touched upon, you know, how your journey was kind of, you know, reasonable in terms of how you would balance school and tennis. What about high school, you know, and uh, then further on to tennis recruitment? How did it all matter or what was the impact that you saw? And I guess, you know, in your case, you got caught up in a year when COVID dominated. So what is it that you want to say on that front? Yeah, I definitely think it's really important to, you know, by high school, you kind of know your schedule, at least for me, I did. You know, Mm -hmm. we were in tournaments really frequently, almost every weekend, um, at least twice a month. So I think balancing school around that is really important. I obviously took challenging classes, AP classes, but, you know, at the same time, I didn't bombard myself with every single one that was maybe available, Mm -hmm. like, like some, (laughs) some kids did. And if, um, you're able to balance both of those. I know some kids who who play tennis and other sports who are doing, you know, like 10, 12 APs as well. So I think mm-hmm. it's really just up to you and what you can um, handle. Mm-hmm. I think I knew also going into college, though, I wanted to play for sure. And then mm-hmm. I also wanted to go somewhere that um, I was academically happy with. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that I had to still challenge myself and push myself in school at least a little bit to to have that um to show later on so kind of see what your goals are and then you know make your course choices accordingly and of course at that point if someone can determine what they want to be in the future then you know that's probably helpful to narrow down on course choices yeah and I think even if you don't know exactly what you want to do in college like your major or whatever Mm -hmm. that what you want to pursue I think at least your goals of, you know, what, what type of school, like for me, I just said, I still wanted a place where I knew I was, I was going to get good um, academic attention or, you know, grow myself in that way as well. But Mm -hmm. then I think for certain people, whether it's sports or just other things, they kind of want to focus on that more and they don't mind compromising academics a little bit. But for me, I think I always kind of held myself to a high standard in both. So making sure that that I got somewhere which was a good balance was pretty important to me. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, for certain others, I guess the choice may also be due to, you know, maybe a location preference, you know. So on that front, you know, although you and I may see it as a compromise, you know, that's probably not truly a compromise. And, you know, like certain other factors may be important, which may make them, you know, lean toward a different school, right? Yeah, right. Okay. And um, so tennis recruitment, is there something that you want to say as far as tennis recruitment and how to approach it? So I just think everybody's process is is totally different. Everyone's Uh journey is different. So my first piece of advice would probably be don't compare yourself to anybody. Don't feel like 
you know, you have to decide by this time or that time or whenever. Mm-hmm. I think um, the biggest thing I've learned is just take your time and make sure you find the best fit possible for you. Mm-hmm. For me, obviously, it was different being, you know, trying to get recruited in a pandemic, not mm-hmm. your ideal situation. Yeah, but, not being able to play that much, you know, also and uh, not showcase what you can bring to the table, you know, that that was a challenge. And like for so many other players, I mean, I guess, you know, you all went through it. Yeah, I think, like you just said, in our year, there wasn't much of coaches coming to see us play, talking to us in person. That wasn't really an option. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you could really do was um, send in your videos of some matches of your game and talk to them over the phone. There was also um, a band that the NCAA had on. Mm-hmm. It's called like the dead period. So we, mm-hmm. we couldn't go see the coaches in person. They couldn't see us. We couldn't have any contact in person. Mm-hmm. So um, it was pretty challenging. I got a lot of offers throughout the whole process. Some, you know, up to my liking and some, I was just not really sure about, but I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I was just, for me, like I committed really late because mm-hmm. I just wanted to take my time, really see what school had the best balance of both for me. And then mm-hmm. some schools that I wanted that I talked to, it just didn't really work out, you know, because of, because of things that maybe the, um, the coach is looking for or players on the team. And in this In our case this year, um, a lot of the players on the team got an extra year of eligibility Mm -hmm. due to COVID. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that made the process a lot harder as well because a lot of teams, they just didn't have spots or Mm -hmm. scholarships to offer. Mm -hmm. I think we dealt with a whole lot of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not me, obviously, everyone in in my year. I think we, uh, we found our way through it. And I'm happy to say that I'm committed to Georgia State now. Mm-hmm. for tennis and I'm uh, excited to get you. started there thank you out of you um on that achievement and what about um when we look at and reflect on your journey um we said you started with USTA team tennis then uh, Alta matches whatever and then uh the 10 and under 12 14 16 18 uh all the way to the ITFs and now you know you're going to be an NCAA collegiate tennis player how would you say, and we also talked about, you know, week in and week out, you know, like chasing tournaments. So what would you say for any junior tennis player or someone that's aspiring to be a junior tennis player to do? I mean, like, look at the local level tournaments, then, you know, when can they progress to higher level tournaments and then the national level and ITF? What do you want to say for someone listening uh, as to how to approach it? So in my case, I played local, so only in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then Southern tournaments, which was our region, it was like seven or eight states. So everyone mm-hmm. has their different region. And then um, national tournaments where we would go somewhere and kids from all over the country would come and play there. Mm-hmm. And then I was also lucky to play some international tournaments. So mm-hmm. those are kind of the different levels. And I would say when you're really young, obviously getting getting your um, experience in the local tournaments is best. As you progress, as you win more and you improve your ranking, that's how 
you even get selected into tournaments of of a higher level. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's just really important to play the tournaments. You know, try mm-hmm. to find as many as you can, and that's that's how you develop your game because you mm-hmm. know, you know, you see what you're doing well, you see what you need to work on, you go mm-hmm. and improve that in practice, and then you come back. Um, on mm-hmm. the same token, for me, because of some injuries, like um, like I said, I kind of balanced it more, and that's not to say, you know, don't go train a lot, don't go hit a lot for people. For some people, they may prefer more on-court time. They may prefer um, more time in the gym. It's just, it's really a personal preference. But I would say really make sure you do find your balance because mm-hmm. you the last thing you want is is to kind of spend all your time out there and then, you know, you're getting held back by injuries or anything later. So I would just say that finding the balance is the most important thing. Yeah, I think you have sent that message loud and clear several times here uh, during mm-hmm. the course of our conversation. Hey, I think, you know, like um, we have seen Coco Goff, we have seen the Williams sisters. I think they focused on what they needed to do and they have definitely, you know, got to the pinnacle of tennis. Is there anything else you would like to say as far as how we as parents, you know, what is it that we did right? What is it that we did wrong? Or, you know, like anything that you felt things could have been different and something that the whole tennis world can benefit from. And what about, you talked about ranking and building a ranking and getting selected into tournaments. And I think one was, you know, the USDA ranking system. And of course, you know, certain things may have changed from what you did to what it is right now as of today. And there's also UTR. If you were to throw in your two cents on all of that, what is it that you would tell folks that are listening yeah I mean, and I feel it's... free to say feel free to say we did something wrong you know like uh, of course uh-huh. you know this is something for everyone to learn from yeah no I think you and dad have always been really supportive of me and I'm not just saying that to say it it's it's true and I think it, it's a lot of sacrifice right because you know what it takes I mean on the road like every single weekend going here going there spending the weekend in a hotel eating out Hey, thank time. you. That's so kind of you. And just, and also we've seen a lot of families, you know, bring their uh, siblings. So kind of, it's it's a team effort from everyone to like come and just drop their weekend or drop their day to come watch you, support you, help mm-hmm. you with everything that you need. So I think honestly, like the most important part was just having you guys like always support me and encourage mm-hmm. me and, and just a good support system, you know, more than like, oh, like you didn't win your match. Like it's the end of the world. Cause, mm-hmm. cause unfortunately, like we've seen that too. Some, some parents were like that. And it, it's just, I don't think it was anybody's fault, but it's just a learning curve for everyone. I think just being there for your kid and just supporting them is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as UTR, so that's, it's kind of just another number system. Mm-hmm. to differentiate you from your peers mm-hmm. um ranking is more of just like the plain number and then utr it goes from one to 16 and it's mm-hmm. just like 16 being the best so in- everyone including professional tennis players are on utr mm-hmm. that's the highest obviously one being the lowest and it it's just i think a different way to to measure your level and then 
depending on who you play, you know, if you beat them, it goes up. If you if you um, lose to someone lower than you, it's going to go down at the same mm-hmm. time. If mm-hmm. you play someone who is a lot higher than you and you don't win, but you still compete well, you get some games. That's mm-hmm. going to help you too. So they're just, it's evolving. I mean, they're just different ways to measure you mm-hmm. as a player, really. But numbers don't always mean everything. So I would just say that... <laughs> Be try your best, work hard, and it'll all fall in place. Oh, what a nice way to, you know, just uh, culminate this conversation. I think that's a great message to send. Um, and so much fun talking to you on the podcast. Of course, you know, we have our moments in the house, you know, like talking, fighting, whatever that may be, arguing, not necessarily fighting, but uh, just figuring out certain things, you know. F- Uh, sharing opinions if you will but uh, this was fun and uh, I had a great time chatting with you here on the podcast it was a different experience interviewing my own daughter yeah it was fun to see you in your element (laughs) oh that's kind thank you so much and uh, listeners as always follow the podcast and I'll be sure to bring different topics with some very important people and people that can offer expertise and uh, on that space and front and uh, be sure to follow me on Instagram at YP Kumar for all things digital media and lifestyle and I'll be sure to catch up with you again with yet another interesting guest and until then it's your host Y saying so long. Yeah.